0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meet and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're fresh off our trip to Slow Food Nations in Denver, a festival that brought together advocates to discuss the future of food. And this week, we're bringing you a special episode inspired by the new Equity, Inclusion, and Justice Manifesto released by Slow Food USA. If we're going to solve food security, we need to say these people have a right to good, healthful food. But we have to do that in a way that kind of insulates this system from the vagaries of the market. Because when you're at a table with somebody, you recognize their humanity. And when somebody cooks for you and serves you food, in a way they're saying they care about your survival. How can we put things into our own hands and have the people of Puerto Rico gain real access to healthy local foods? Listen to Meet and Three this week for our highlights from Slow Food Nations, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a new podcast about building food brands. We live in a culture that romanticizes entrepreneurship and the hustle. But what I really want to hear are the stories from the trek uphill. I want the stories about the bruises and the scrapes we all get as we build our businesses. I want to hear about the roads that led to nowhere and the lessons learned along the way. And I want advice in real time. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand. Because we're all in the sauce. Today, I am super excited to be speaking with Mitch Rubin from the Chobani Incubator. Hi, Mitch. Hey, <laughs> Uh The Chobani Incubator, for those of you who don't know, is a four-month program that helps emerging brands with everything from manufacturing, packaging, marketing, strategy, food safety, and labeling, along with marketing and branding. You and, name <laughs> it. Right, everything. <laughs> um, and they also give their incubatees, which I actually... Googled, and I don't think is a real word, but I'm going to use it, a (laughs) $25,000 grant. Yep. No strings Um, attached. So it's kind of like getting paid to take a crash course on everything that you really need to know as you are starting a brand, a food brand, essentially. Absolutely. So how did you end up there? Because that sounds kind of like a dream job.
2: Yeah, I I would say it is. Um, So... When I graduated college, I really wanted to dive into the startup world, get my hands dirty. Were Um, you a business person? So I studied, my major was political science, of course, international relations, (laughs) most applicable thing. Um, And I did get a markets and management studies certificate, which was kind of the closest thing you could get to a business degree at at my school. Right. Um, So after graduating, I... Was lucky enough to be accepted into this program called Venture for America, which short version is like Teach for America for startups. They place recent college graduates at startups in cities across the country that are trying to redevelop their economies. Um, right. So, you know, think Baltimore, Detroit, Detroit New Orleans, right. um, Cleveland. You know, there is about fifteen, sixteen cities now. Um, so, after I got into the program, I was placed at a small. Tech startup actually in Detroit.
1: And did you know anything about tech?
2: Um,
1: You know, I I knew about it just because
2: following the news and I was able to, I can do a little HTML and CSS code that (laughs) I picked up while I was at school. (laughs) But for the most part, you know, it was just a, it was actually just a novel idea. It was all about helping people save money toward uh, the first down payment on a car or home. Very cool. Um, So I went in there, I, started as the ninth employee. you know. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to a very stable um, right. <laughs> startup. And fourth day on the job, had a new CEO. Um, uh-huh. And four months later, I was the only founder. I was the only employee <laughs> alongside the founder. <laughs> right. um, so the two of us kind of ran the business through all the ups and downs for over a year together, oh my gosh. Um, kept it afloat. We were Able to raise some money, hire some people, and you know it's it's still alive. And did uh, it
1: occur to you to stay there, or were you always kind of like you knew that this was a program and that you were going to be leaving?
2: If it was a different situation, I was certainly um, open to staying in Detroit for a right. little longer. But once I had that experience, um, I I wanted to to do something else, right. um, but still stay in the world of entrepreneurship. So. After that, um, I actually got this really cool opportunity to work for the city of Detroit in some capacity. Oh, wow. I I helped out a special advisor to the mayor of Detroit. Um, Her name is Jill Ford. And it was, uh, you know, she was in charge of all innovation and entrepreneurship for Mm -hmm. the city of Detroit. So I was working on lots of programs um, that can help provide resources to startups, you know, more of your classic small business owner throughout the city. and the combination of those two experiences gave me the desire to you know stay in that world. So I'm originally from New York.
1: Right.
2: Um, I really wanted to move back, be with my family, um, and you know, it's I love Detroit. Um, maybe there's a world in which I move back there right. someday, but I was ready to to come home for a little bit. Right. And you know, about you know the same time was right when the Chobani incubator um, was launching and. I, you know, I knew um, the director of the program, Jackie, and saw this kind of dream job opportunity yeah. come out that, you know, I hadn't worked at a, a major, you know, strong brand right. like Chobani right. that was in the food industry, which, you know, it's, of course, exciting to go into food yeah. and, well, at the same time. Be in the startup world with this incubator right. program and in a way like it was our own startup to even 100%. it was a startup for startups yeah I mean, um, getting
1: getting people to know what you were and getting to you know people to understand yeah you know a, a free check you know exactly. people are used to sort of yeah we'll incubate you but we'll take 20% of your company right right, right.
2: so it was it's just a great kind of hybrid um, role that has been you know an amazing experience and it's just been so cool to see what we've been able to do for these startups
1: and from what I understand um, the Hamdi who's the founder of Chobani this is sort of this was his idea in the sense that Chobani was sort of a disruptor in and of itself and that kind of changed the paradigm and brought a better yogurt to more people. His yeah. sort of goal is to incubate smaller companies that have similar sort of good food values but might need some help getting there. Is that yeah, kind of I mean, the goal?
2: The whole the program was really born out of our founder and CEO's Hamdi vision. Hamdi's vision for paying it forward. Um you know Chobani is only ten years old. I know it's we crazy. are still a startup like in it, many ways. Yeah. And Hamdi you know, not too long ago was sleeping on the factory floor Mm -hmm. and, you know, going through all the ups and downs that all of these food entrepreneurs are going through that, you know, we're able to connect with through our program. So to be able to kind of help them, you know, maybe avoid some of the mistakes that are so easy to make when you haven't done this before, um, while at the same time providing our guidance is really important. And it all revolves around, you know, our company's mission of bringing better food to more people. Right. It's so
1: crazy that you're only 10 years old. Yeah. Because it feels like this very sort of established, grown-up company, you know, that, you know, we all kind of look to for doing it right. You know, somehow somehow that company has managed to hold on, and I guess it starts with him to some extent, but it's managed to hold on to this sort of, like, good values, really wanting to bring quality product, not diluting the product once you reach a certain scale, you know, kind of all the things that we go into, those of us who sort of go into this from like a food justice perspective, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just, it all comes down to, you know, Hamdi believes that business is, can be used as a force for good is one of, if not the most effective way to, create positive change yeah. in people's lives and food is one of the most essential ways in which we you know exist as as human beings so to be able to create a business that you know yes we have this incubator program which is just an extension of the all mission. the the right. great things that we do from hiring refugees to mm-hmm. giving shares of the company to every single employee including you know all the factory workers right. um the list goes on and and this is just another mechanism that we can, you know, just continue to help people.
1: It seems like, and you and I were talking about this a little bit before, you know, we went live, but, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the nonprofit model and obviously there's a place for it in the world. And we need, we need nonprofits, you know, and we need foundations and we need people to be giving money to causes without any return ever, other Mm -hmm. than just knowing that they've done something good. But in terms of, like, moving the consumer toward better choices, yes, you know, people can vote for good food policy, but it's almost, it's so removed. Like, I was reading about, you know, this week's sort of news about the, you know, EBT program at farmer's markets and how there's a problem, and that might not be continuing. So, I mean, that's that's pretty devastating. The average voter probably doesn't know that, but what the average voter does do is they buy groceries. Yeah. And if they, can, if they can be buying their groceries and those companies are doing large-scale good work and making the food system more equitable and safer and better, you, know, you can get a lot done. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, way.
2: you're empowering consumers to use their dollar and their purchasing power to... Make that incremental change um, which do you think that great. there
1: are more companies because it you know when I first started studying sort of you know corporate relationships with the food system, it was very much a model of like corporate social responsibility you know it wasn't that the that the food companies themselves had these sort of deep values. it was that they knew that you know people wanted to hear that they were donating a certain percentage mm-hmm. or that they were giving. Whatever. And I feel like more people I know are coming at this, at least the young companies that I know, um, we're all kind of coming at it either from a very simple mission of like job creation. You know, some people Mm -hmm. I know are starting food companies as a conduit to create jobs, not necessarily because they're coming at it from like a farm labor right perspective or, you know, a food justice perspective, um, but a lot of us are starting these things because we want to improve the food system. Are you finding that, first of all, I would assume it's a self-selective group that's applying to the incubator, but are you seeing more and more companies that care about these issues?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think we are. Um, you know, what's interesting, Peter McGinnis, our CMO, he would say that, you know, it shouldn't be a like a chore to have um, good values right. and why you're doing it, but rather <laughs> right. it's a requirement for for modern brands to make that you know a core tenant of their business. Um, and it's been great to see the companies that, as you said, are seeing a problem mm-hmm. and saying, okay, well, I know I can create a business around it that can solve a large part of that problem. I mean, right. a great example of it um, was and Yang and Wong yeah. from Miss juiceries who yeah. I know you had on here you know taking Oh my gosh
1: did you hear her, her... I haven't
2: had a chance to listen to it First of, to of all it, she but... like
1: talks about how much she adores you guys but this is <laughs> my guest from last week um but also just she, it was she was amazing It was amazing hearing her story their story I mean I know sort of the romantic version of mm-hmm. two kids in a Georgetown dorm room but it was really incredible yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It's. They it's were international
1: powerful. relations students too. I know, yeah. I know.
2: Uh, they're the best. I love those yeah. guys. But you know, you see someone like them taking the bruised or damaged fruits and vegetables and making cold-pressed juices out of right. them, right? Fighting the massive food waste problem right. that we face. You look at um, somebody like Rumi Spice, mm-hmm. who was in our program, that's saffron. sourcing saffron. They're the largest foreign direct investment source into Afghanistan and have employed over, you know, three thousand women to work in right. their centers, and it's it's remarkable what this is doing for their lives. Yep. Um, Love the Wild in Boulder, Colorado, is trying to find you know ways for Americans to consume more seafood and using sustainable aquaculture in right. order to do so. So there are problems, and that founders are seeing and creating solutions around right. them. Um, at the same time as you mentioned, you know, some people are just finding amazing recipes or ingredients that they can use to improve the decisions that right. consumers have to make. Right. Um, and we absolutely support that, you right. know. Cuz not
1: everything's going to be a direct, you know, a direct here's, you know, this soil needs whatever, so right. we're going to be planting this which then you can eat and then you have the scent yeah, right.
2: right, it can be a very simple um, maybe you discover something in your kitchen that just is improving the nutritional content for people. And,
1: right. you know, or in our case, getting more people to cook from scratch. Exactly. The right. kitchen confidence.
2: I right. mean, that's a huge way that people are able to relate to their food. Right. And if you can do that, you're, you're always going to make better choices when it right. comes to what you're putting in your body and what you're feeding to your kids. Um, so I think, you know, it both sides of it are absolutely essential. And, you know, you look at like the companies that we accept into our program. Um, How many
1: do you accept and what year is it? And do you have two classes a year or one? I am a little confused. Yeah,
2: yeah. so we have two classes a year. We have a spring and a fall group. Um, we take between six and nine companies. So it has steadily increased <laughs> right. from six to seven to nine. Right. Um, we are starting, you know, I'm happy to talk about this more yeah. later, but we are also launching this food tech residency program. That's cool. Um, which, you know, the thesis behind that is if we really want to improve the food system, we need to look at the entire supply chain. Yes. Um, and where can we, as a major food uh, manufacturer, improve our processes and, you know, be more sustainable in the way that we are creating our food and the impact that it's making um, right. on the environment. So we're also going to be taking in um you know probably 2 to 3 startups to come in work with our operations team oh, hand in cool. hand pilot your ideas with us right. because what better way to figure out you know what all the customers Absolutely. of your business need than to work with one of them 100%. and uh and build it together so
1: we're in a situation right now little segue maybe off topic mm-hmm. but it, I think it illustrates your point where you know, we sort of did a, a little bit of a deep dive into packaging. I really wanted to use these pouches because I thought they were lightweight and playful and easy to use, and they don't like collect the junk on the jar in the back of mm-hmm. your refrigerator. They're very they are recyclable in Europe, um, but America's recycling system is a bit behind, and so the pouches themselves are not actually recyclable. Currently on the market, there are no recyclable pouches. Um, we did sort of a little bit of a, of a model, and considering how much glass actually ends up in landfill, and considering the amount of fuel used to ship everything, we felt like the pouches were the more sustainable choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not there, it's not a home run, right? We would love you to be able to recycle the pouches, of course. Um, but there's got to be a, a some genius out there who can figure this out you know who can figure out the 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 what it needs or what we need to create or something that can make either a compostable pouch or a recyclable pouch or you know do something in our system at large until america kind of catches up with the rest of the world we can't be sending the pouches to mm-hmm. europe to recycle them You can't have sort of in-store recycling because that's hard, people bringing back their used pouches. But that's the kind of thing where, you know, we don't have the bandwidth to figure that out. And I'm sure that's, you know, compared to like other more techie things. That's not even that techie. But as, you know, when you're two people, three people, even four people trying to just keep your stuff in stock, Trying to keep up with all of the contracts and regulations, and then your freight guy, and your market guy, and your distributor, and all of this. You can't, you don't have the bandwidth to think about the things that are arguably really kind of the most important, but they're just not the day to day stuff, you know? So it's cool to hear that you're going to be bringing in super smart, kind of outside the box minds yeah. to work with the companies that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what's great is one. I think there's so much going on right. in terms of activity in the industry right now that there's plenty of people that are seeing problems like that right. and trying to solve them. Because, I mean, at least from a pure business perspective, there are so many potential clients out there. Right. You know, such as you and every other. I mean, food or Chobani, that, for that matter. Yeah, right. that would love to be able to. Find more sustainable packaging and, and we're you know certainly looking um, for some of these applicants to the food tech program to maybe come in and bring those type of solutions. Right. And what's great about the food tech residency is one, you know they're working with Chobani's team right. on integrating certain processes into solving um, our problems. but they're also going to be, you know, the program's going to be parallel to the standard, CPG incubator program that we do, so right. they will be interfacing, and I cool. think there's just going to be a lot of exciting conversation and collaboration um, between everyone, and right. you know that is really
1: one of what the, I love right.
2: the most about the incubator is the level of peer it's learning. Like camp. It kind of <laughs> is. I mean, it
1: reminds me of like a bunk. What's really like yeah.
2: camp is when you know we're taking all the companies up to central New York on a big bus to go right. see the manufacturing plant. And, right. you know, you got, you hop on the, the microphone <laughs> and you feel like a tour guide a little bit. Um, but you know, that do you
1: do a cheer. Is there like, give me a C? No, we should. Cause my camp bus always, like we that. had like a cheer when we would like end up at camp, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I, I do think we need like a right. little incubator jingle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, you know, we could pass along right. to everybody. It's kind of like, oh, you're in the club if you, you know, right. You jingle. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> or, an, or an incubator, uh, like, cheer. Like yeah. a, you know, sis thank you Maybe a cool handshake. Stuff, something like that. Yeah, I like um, that. So going back to the mission a little bit, because I think about this all the time. And I think about sort of, and I, you know... Going back to when I built Havens, I didn't even realize I was really building a business. I really thought of it as a school. And I thought, you know, it doesn't need to make a killing, it just needs to make money to support itself. And I was wrong because it does need to make more money than it takes to support itself because it needs to keep up with the cost of living. And you want to keep growing and you want to be able to give people bonuses and you want to be able to fix the toilet and you know it's not just good enough to pay for itself you do need to sort of accumulate a little bit of you know savings um and that's different than a cpg right because it's not operating as a lifestyle business and a lot of the cpgs out there you know before before they even do anything they go out and raise money um but I was thinking about, you know there's a lot of pressure on a new company to to sort of like keep their their spending down, but also do good. like those two things are oftentimes sort of categorically opposed to each other, and it's and we all kind of say to ourselves, well, when we get bigger, we'll be mm-hmm. able to pass on the savings or when we get bigger, we'll be able to source better whatever or make better choices about you know, do more research into XYZ. And I guess, you know, one of the things that makes me sort of that I love about the incubator, even though I, I I only know it from the people that I know that have been in it, is that it just feels like there's someone holding your hand, helping you get to that place, you know, that like that mission is the mission and that I don't know. I mean, I, I tell me about the companies that are in there, that have been in there in terms of like where they've really, where they're, they their heart's in the right place. You've helped them kind of figure out ways to do things better or get to a better place. Yeah, absolutely.
2: That. I mean, we're looking for, you know, companies that are really... And we can go into kind of the whole application process right. if you want sure. later, but the three kind of main archetypes that we look for mm-hmm. in companies are: one, are you creating um, a product that is a is a better few version of a staple that you see out on the market? Um, obvious example of that is somebody like Bonza, who right. you know taking pasta, revolutionizing it with chickpea flour, making it. Twice the protein, four times the fiber, and almost half the net
1: carbs. Right, that's right. just
2: a way better version of right. what you could, what you normally would be consuming.
1: Right. Justin's uh, to Skippy or yeah. Sir Kensington's to Heinz. That exactly. Type of thing, right? Exactly.
2: Um, the second being something that's emerging or innovative out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at cattle and Fire, which was in our first group, um, launching a bone broth. Kind of right as bone broth was right. becoming something that people were recognizing the benefits of and wanting to consume regularly. Right.
1: So like a new category, no one—it's not out there, but they're kind of creating yeah. it. New
2: category, of course. I mean, you know, given our role in the Greek yogurt category, we right. of course want to try to identify other people. But maybe it's not the category. Maybe it's just um, something else about your product. So, for example, Peak Tea. Let's Mm -hmm. say, you know, they're little crystals, they're organic crystallized teas um, that have 10 times the antioxidants of, you know, your average green tea out there. And the format of the tea, you know, it's, it's so portable that anybody can have high quality organic tea wherever they go and you can shake it up in hot or right. cold water.
1: And you don't have to like deal with the bag and the bag dripping. Yeah. I actually really and like it. And you're them.
2: getting more yeah. of the actual tea. That's so right. you know, that's a packaging, formatting innovation. Right. Um, and then the third is the purpose-driven mm-hmm. social impact, right. uh, which we, we already spoke about. Right. So when we are, you know, when we're able to get these types of companies into our program, Um, it's exactly that. We want to find the ones that are just ready enough that with our help, they can really take their business to the next level. So you look at a kettle and fire Mm -hmm. who, when they came to the program, you know, started by two brothers, didn't have food and beverage experience, um, more in the tech world came in, they were in maybe 200, um, locations. By the way, that's
1: still a lot of locations.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm
1: thinking like but they didn't
2: they didn't That's, know sales strategy right. when it came to the traditional retailer and right. you know, shopper marketing and I mean right. it's a whole different animal once you get into the grocery store right um and to work with our sales team to basically you know help craft that strategy with them right. That's i mean so cool. they're on pace to be in over you know 5000 locations That's it's amazing. it's kind of insane um so it really is you know an exciting when we're able to find these types of companies and and going back to your original kind of question of you you have all these um standards that you want to hold your product and your business to um which is you know which is right um i think it's really important to identify the ones that are the most most, you know the non-negotiables that you can't like this right. has to be a part of the business, no matter you know if we have to sacrifice a little bit on the cost. But what we're seeing, um, we actually had you know a great part of our program is that we as Shobani have access to some of the biggest retailers in uh, the country, mm. and they're really interested in engaging with our brands because you know we're able to show them. What's new and exciting right. in the market? Because right. that's what consumers want, and they want to totally. provide the best retail experience for their consumers. So right. we actually had a great meeting. Um, we took all of our companies to Walmart, and you know, retailers like Walmart and others they they want to find the purpose driven brands and are willing to work with you right. to figure out okay how
0: can how we can we this make this, this happen? Right?
2: Um, what? Where are the areas that you know? Based on all of the operational capacity and just right. expertise that we have, how
1: can we um, how can we do this together? So, and is that because I mean there are two there are two main drivers that I can imagine for that. One is just consumer demand; consumers want these new, emerging, challenging kind of different things. Or is it that they? you know somehow those companies are poised to to somehow exit and be acquired by bigger brands and it it works for them that way like what what's the driver behind traditional retailers cuz grocery does feel a little bit behind mm-hmm. everything a little bit you know they still they're still kind of catching up some of them of course like the ones who have us are very forward thinking but you know What's the driver behind wanting to connect with these new emerging brands?
2: Yeah, I think it is the consumer right. demand. Um, there's just a wave right, right now, which is what makes it so exciting to be in this industry right. of people demanding right. high quality, um, clean ingredients. They're excited to try you know, emerging flavors and right. something different. And
1: it's hard to do that. At yeah. the prices that they've become accustomed to spending, and that's where maybe a retailer can fill that gap a little bit. And certainly, your expertise can help yes. figure that out a little bit. Right?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of right. of both of those. Right. Um, but you know, we we try as much as possible to to work with every team, and you know, introduce the founders and the right people on the startups teams to the right people right. on our teams to to figure out, you know, what's best. And it's going to be different for right. every product totally. and every category. Right. You know, there's definitely no one size fits all right. um, strategy to it.
1: No, it sounds really awesome. We're going to take a little break and then when we come back, I'm going to ask you all sorts of advice questions. Cool. moxie
2: rosenblum my dad harry rosenblum hosts feast your ears on heritage radio network right now hrn is having a summer membership drive
1: becoming a member is so easy and you'll help support shows like my dad's you can sign up for a one-time donation or become a monthly sustaining member by visiting heritageradionetwork.org donate let's keep food radio on the airwaves this summer Hi there. Um, I'm back with Mitch Rubin from the Chobani Incubator. Um, and i I guess I'd like to ask you some sort of like macro things and then some sort of micro things. So sure. you can tell me which one you want to dig into first. But micro really being about sort of commonalities that you see in the companies that come to you. You know, the challenges that they seem to face. You know, not every company has the same challenges, but sort of what they all are struggling with a little bit or, you know, Venn diagrams of what they're struggling with. And then sort of the macro picture of, you know, clearly there seems to be sort of a shift in the consumer. Um, That's been happening for a couple of years. I mean, I think the Better For You movement, you know, has been definitely taking on steam. But I think it's going deeper now into, like, the authenticity behind a brand and really understanding the brand and the brand, you know, sort of zeitgeist. Um and direct to consumer is a big piece of things. So I just kind of want to get your I guess your temperature on sort of changes in the food industry in general and then thoughts about, you know, things that you wish food companies knew. For those, you know, companies that might not get into your incubator, what's some advice you have for them and things like that? So, do you want to go big, or you want to yeah? Own? Let's let's start big. Okay, I think big challenges and changes in sort of the food industry and consumers and food businesses in general.
2: Yeah. So, I think, you know, as demand from consumers for all of these better for you um, products increases, you you see so many startups and mm-hmm. brands coming into the space. Yeah. Um, it's it's fascinating. I think it's good in a lot of ways to see so many, you know, the barriers for somebody to start a food are company are really low. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you bring in, let's say it's a shelf-stable product right. and you just set up a website and start right. shipping out, you know, it's it's pretty...
1: You know, we have a joke with Derek from Bonza Mm -hmm. where it's like we're playing a Jeopardy game. And, you know, like a shelf stable, two-year shelf life, you know, that's sort of the 200 level (laughs) of Jeopardy. And Katie and I are like, we'll take freight for 800. Like, we'll take (laughs) packaging for 800. Like, there's not one thing that we've taken on that's like normal in yeah. any way. But yes, if you have <laughs> something that you can just like make and store in your basement and send when you get an order from Squarespace, yeah, it's, it's, there's very little barrier to entry. You can print some labels, get a good logo on 99 logos or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the website is. And you're <laughs> off to the races with your, you know, yeah. I don't know. Which is, which batter. is good in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's encouraging entrepreneurship. Totally. Um, it's great for people to be out there trying to build things. Right. Um, at the same time, it makes it a lot harder for brands to to find the white space. Right. Um, and you know, identify what is my unique value proposition. Right. Um, especially in some of these, you know, more crowded categories. Right. Um, and then with that, you know, kind of hand in hand is how do I stand out to consumers. And buyers and investors, like, how do I really position myself and stand out? And a lot of that comes down to your brand, comes down to having the best packaging, right. and you know this and that. And it's it's become it's become difficult. Um, you know, when
1: Fresh Direct was on here, they told me that they um they don't they look at the category before they do the samples. So if you have a really great tasting, you know quinoa bar let's say but their category is really sort of full and Mm -hmm. oversubscribed. they might not even i mean they'll taste it but they're definitely not going to be you know bringing it on and i think that's really interesting because you don't really think about that when you have a really good idea yes you eventually learn to do sort of a category like market analysis yeah but it's it's you know, you're not thinking most people don't go into it looking at the categories, seeing where there's a white space and then coming up with a product, but more people probably should.
2: Yeah. 100%. Right. Um, And, you know, I think (laughs) that's actually just to touch into your second question briefly, like that's a big part of what we would recommend companies to do is like do your homework, go out there, go in the grocery stores, not just one, right. not just two. Like, check them all out. Right. Go to different regions. Like, yeah. see where
1: it's the so white scary. space
2: is. Um, which can be difficult to do. Right. It sounds so much easier. Well, it's you know, scary
1: because, you know, if you have this idea and you think that no one's ever had it before. Right. And then you, you you know, it's almost like you go out there and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Someone did <laughs> something,
2: you know. Like, I know. But
1: mine's different, you know. so
2: it, But it, that's yeah. also, like you know, in terms of how we look at the companies and decide who comes into our program, you know, we're in the process right now of reviewing applications. Um, and we do it by category. Right. Um, what
1: if you're like us and you don't have a category? I mean, I guess fresh condiments is becoming a category. You're as in we a category. Speak. Yeah.
2: Right. But I, but that, that's what makes you stand out compared right. to the others that are well, in there. Thanks your, Mitch. Of course. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan. Aww. Um, so it's important for us to to compare apples to apples mm-hmm. um, because there's so many people doing a lot of similar right. things. And, you know, just to, like, touch on kind of our application process yeah. and, and how that it works, you know, we receive hundreds of applications. We had, you know, 650 total applications. And we go through this whole written review process where you know, we have two sets of eyeballs on every application and we're sorting it by category. Right. So you have the internal Chobani team, um, you know, the incubator representatives are, are one reviewer and then we right. have this whole committee of Chobani leadership who have served as mentors and obviously right. have tons of experience throughout um, the entire space that are able to lend their insights in addition to getting um, help from our alumni companies right. who, That's very you know, cool. who better to know what it takes to be in this program than right. those who have already been in it. Right. So, you know, we go through this whole thing and after we go through all the written reviews by category, we narrow it down to tastings. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Oh, for, you
1: don't even taste it until then. Yeah, because it's just too many. So, right, you know, we, we
2: try to get to like close to 100 or so right. that we can taste and follow that up with phone interviews. Right. Um, and by tasting it, you know, again within the same category you're right. able to really see yes. who stands out. Right. And then once we conduct all that, we do reference checks, um, and then we finally, you know, present to Hamdi, right. okay, here are our finalists. Um, let's make this decision right. together. And it's it's really special that you know, he he is, so engaged. He is yeah. tasting every single product yeah. that we are presenting to him. And you know he's watching the video submission that you are seeing, yeah. Um, and it's really, you know, he cares. And having that top-down um, totally. buy-in is is so essential to to what we do.
1: Well, you guys hosted your um, your what what is it called exactly? The demo day, like a yeah, a demo day. I was going to call it something else, like a little loftier. But basically, where you brought in all of the companies in the incubator. This was the second time you hosted mm-hmm. it at Havens. And then you bring in people from the industry and I'm assuming investors and everyone sort of makes a presentation and I've never seen Hamdi or heard him speak, but I was up there kind of like making sure that the water was filled. You know, I was (laughs) like, I mean, I was working, but he really, he gave me this feeling of like, you can do this. I think it was on a day where, you know, our pouches came in wrong and someone didn't, you know, th- we had sauce that was like left on a loading dock. And so we lost however many cases of it. And it was just one of those days where I was like, Ugh, you know, if everything could go wrong, it went wrong. And then I kind of was like refilling the water pitcher and hear him speaking about how, you know, I think, I think if you're an entrepreneur and I think if you're building something that's never been built, you are this sort of cross between an eternal optimist, a little bit, I don't want to say narcissistic, but a little bit like believe in yourself Mm -hmm. to some extent and your ability to do it. And if you don't, (laughs) you shouldn't because it's really disheartening sometimes. And then, you know, you kind of go into it like that and then pretty quickly... Things start to happen and you start to sort of, it's hard not to have days where you're like, why am I doing this? Maybe this isn't so great. Maybe this is a big waste of money and time and the people that have invested in me or trust me to make good decisions, like I'm going to let them down and, you know, it's exhausting. And then I was having one of those days and I hear him talk, you know, that, I mean, it was really incredible like it made me kind of re- renewed faith that this is a good idea and that the world needs this. And if the world needs something, really, if you build it, they will come. You just need to build it in the right way. And it seems like that's where he was coming from. So it's cool to hear that he's so engaged in every part of it. yes yeah. I mean, he just,
2: he really believes in what we're doing right. and supports it so strongly. Um, I, I like, he, he has an analogy of, you know, it's like climbing a mountain, mm-hmm. and you, you can't see the top, right? But you know, maybe it's in the fog, and you, you don't know how far you are from it, right? But you know you have to get there, and you just keep climbing, right? And maybe you get to one point, and you know you think you've got you're at the top now, right? And then you're <laughs> like, well, no, I want to get to that top, right. right? So just keep on climbing, and it, it is tough. I mean, every founder,
1: yeah,
2: has ups and downs, and the downs can. Be really down, yeah, um, which again is what's so special about our program is right. it's kind of you know we try to break down those barriers as soon as the entrepreneurs come into our office on the first day, right um, I mean, the first night of programming last year, we did like a team um cooking workshop where right. we all like made pasta and were like you know interspersing between each company and right. You know, it's, it's just having that support group right. um, and being able to say, like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Like, no. I've lost lots of money right. making mistakes. Right. And, and that's okay. Yeah, um,
1: and I feel ahead of my skis yeah. a lot of the time, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think that, I mean, I know I asked you the question about what you think is changing, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I do sort of feel like there is this sort of shift. I feel like maybe something's happened in the last couple of years where sort of the founder is able to be a little bit more vulnerable than maybe a few years ago. Like that, you know, we're able to say, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, Anne and I were talking about that. Yeah. She said as a student, it was easy to pull the student card, but it, it's really like just a great lesson. Like how would I know about HPP validation testing? I mean, what would make me think that I would, you know, so of course I'm going to have to call my friend whose dad's a biochemist. And of course I'm going to have to call this one who worked in a lab and whatever, you know, and there's nothing I can really do for them. You know, I I send them free granola. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my, that's my thank you. But, you know, you, you really are in this position constantly of like the minute that you solve one problem, all of a sudden there's this other problem to solve. You know, so the idea of having like people there who can like maybe get you to that phone a friend quicker, you know, is good. So what other trends are you seeing macro?
2: Macro trends. Um, I mean, I think there is a push toward this overarching sustainability, um, food waste, right? which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, retailers care about it just as much as the founders do, right. which I think is going to help push the needle, um. I mentioned this earlier, but I think there's a lot of people who are interested in trying new ingredients and new flavors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing Us all these apt yeah. qualities and ingredients that yes. are being put into beverages right. and, and whatnot. Um, I get really excited about when you see different formats for carrying, mm-hmm. you know, a standard product. I mean, even as simple as, you know, Chobani coming out with a drink, right. uh, people are on the go. Um, right. People want a convenient way of consuming things. Right. And... It's cool to see, you know. I think there's a big movement in the single serve. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, you know, is has their standard product right. that maybe has four or five servings, and right. now is coming out the single serve. Absolutely, um, which We're is like thinking about huge that. for right. you know food service strategy totally. as well. So, um, I think all signs are going, you know, toward a more positive yeah. kind of food beverage industry. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of people you know that I think it's it's easy to see a trend and then create a right. product or business around it right instead versus of starting the it. other way around yeah. and I think those businesses are you know you you can tell um, yeah. when that's the case
1: yeah and what do you think I mean what would you what's sort of the oh they did that also feeling like what do you wish companies wouldn't have done earlier on? You know, like, is there anything that you kind of see that you have to help them unwind? Uh, yeah, it's,
2: I mean, <laughs> the things that like, you know, just sometimes this happen. Is like
1: a note to self, do not make these well, mistakes. Well, one, you know,
2: I think one of the most important things up front is, you know, Hamdi, Hamdi would say this over and over again. And, um, you know, the most important thing is your, your food quality. Like right. quality, quality, quality. Those are the first <laughs> three things right. that you need to make sure um, you have, you know, in check with your product. Right. And if it's going to cost a little bit more to make sure that you have the right certifications and your mm-hmm. co-packer has everything in the right, right, you know, the right standards being met, yep. then you—that's just you just have to. Right. Um, you don't really have a choice because if you don't do it and something bad happens, yeah. you know. You are, you're in a bad place totally. and you could be, you know, causing some negative effects on yeah. people. No, so. and
1: you're going, you're literally going into people's homes. I mean, Katie yeah. and I talk about that all the time. Like, I feel like I'm in people's refrigerators. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> open me now, you know, <laughs> like, don't, don't use me after two weeks being yeah, open. Like, it's true. I know I want to kind of, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's scary, you know, if you're thinking about that. It's you know? scary. You don't know. Someone might pack a pouch of sauce and then like think it's fine eight hours later. And we mark it all over the place. But, you know, you can't control that. But yes, quality, quality, quality. Yes. So quality is number yes. one. And then, you know, I think
2: having the right team
1: mm-hmm. is
2: essential. You, you know, these are people who are going to be working on this with you <laughs> round the clock. And you want to make sure that they're bought into to what you're doing. Um, I think it's a common, you know, it happens where people take on early investment from partners and give away too much of the company early on, which is something that, you know, Chobani, given the fact that, you know, we've remained private and haven't, you know, haven't done that, we, we really stand by the importance of, being able to write your own destiny. That's a
1: tricky one. It's a tricky it one is. because I'm at that moment right now where, you know, I'm really, I have this number in my head where I want us to get to in sales before I take in any outside money. But that's putting Havens in a, in a pretty, it's not precarious, but I mean, I'm funding sauces through Havens, um, which means that Havens needs to do really well. Yeah. And, it's it's a strain on that because i can't i don't have the reserve that i did anymore and i'm fortunate that i had havens right and i'm fortunate that i funded havens but i mean it's hard for a company to keep in mind having a really quality product building a really quality team which basically you pay for and also trying to bootstrap it until you get yeah. to a place in sales where you can maybe get more money for a smaller percentage of equity, mm-hmm. you know. So, well, I, and I, I don't think it's
2: wrong to take, take investment, right. but I think you just need to be very strategic about who you're taking it from, right? And the terms that you're you're doing it right. by, um, and you know, there are some alternative funding options out there right. um, that you know are issuing lines of credit, maybe mm-hmm. versus. Forcing you to to give up give equity, a but in some ways, you know, you can find a strategic investment partner who mm-hmm. really is bought into what you're doing, and you know they can they can help take your business to the the level that you you need. Yeah. So um again, it you know there really isn't a one size fits all, right. but just to be very conscious of of that going forward. Right. Um, and the same goes with you know finding co packers. I mean, yeah. We all know how, <laughs> you know, that, that has been the, yeah, the I biggest issue with out. every yeah. company. Yeah. Um, and we see so many companies that apply to our program who, you know, maybe they don't have a co-packer yet mm-hmm. and they aren't at the level where they can, you know, operate fully at scale and just supply, right. supply, supply, supply. Um, because it's so difficult to find right. the right co-packer. Um, but, you know you shouldn't just go to a co-packer because, oh, well, I, I need to go to a co-packer. Right. If that co-packer is giving you shitty terms or right. isn't up to the standards right. of quality that you have to be at. Right. Um, so yeah,
1: it's... There's definitely, I feel like, a lot of our time over the last six months, and we're getting to a place where we're able now because we just hired two people. Um, congrats. Thank you. Where we're able to sort of not just struggle... To keep product on the shelf where we're able to be like, okay, I needed that yesterday, but now I'm in a little bit more of a position to negotiate a better term or maybe to pay you, you know, not yesterday, but in 90 days Mm -hmm. or, you know, we're make better decisions because you're not trying to, you're still going down the highway, but you're not necessarily trying to fix the bus going at 90. Mm -hmm. You're fixing the bus. Like you're taking a little, (laughs) going to the rest stop. Or like fixing one tire, you're getting back on. Um, And are there, before we sign off, are there other, are there any, so I asked you sort of about things that you'd like companies to avoid. But in the companies that you've seen that have just been sort of like growing and growing and kicking ass, were there indicators of success that you saw in their applications or when you first met them? If you had to sort of draw again, like a Venn diagram of like the companies that you feel like have really taken everything you've given them and used it and grown, what would you say are like the traits of those companies or the people?
2: Yeah. So I think it's the people is a the large, right. a large part of it. I mean, you have to be at a place where, you know, you are confident with what you're good at and what your, your weaknesses might be. Mm-hmm. And you, are actively looking for, you know, people like the Chobani team and our entire leadership across every department to come in and really work with you. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it does go back to what is, you know, your product and your business. And some products have identified that white space just the right way. Right. And they have, you know, their co-packer set up or even better, you know, they've, been able to invest in their own manufacturing facility right. and can really um, implement the changes that need to be made right. um, way quicker right. than others. So when you have you know that set up, if you maybe you know just raised capital, mm-hmm. um, it can make a big difference. Or maybe you have all the pieces there, but your brand isn't where you want it to be. I mean, right. we've had four successful rebrands for, of Companies that have come through our program right. after working with our creative team, and you know, just just That's getting so cool. their insights right. to then work with an agency right. and and make it happen, right? Um, to better, you know, evoke what right. they as a company stand for. They're a real story. So, right. you know, I think it's really having like the production understanding, you know, who you are and why right. you're bringing this product to the market, and why this product needs to be in the market because yeah. it is filling an actual need. And then, you know, just being the right the right team to make it happen. Um, awesome. And, you know, you see, like, when you see a small company that maybe, you know, is on the earlier side of what we would look for, mm-hmm. um, like, a good example is T-Riot. You know, they, founded by a couple that has great experience, um, you know, in the space, but they were an early stage company. But you look at their, their social following. I mean, right. they have just built up this community of right. loyal followers who are going to buy this product right. because they support, you know, the, right. what it means to do that. The right. same way Chobani has done that with our yogurt. Right. So there are, you know, if you can do those things and then come into our program, right. um, we can really help you, you know, bring it to more people awesome um, and just bring it to the scale that is you know right helping
1: everybody that your brand deserves yeah exactly <laughs> um, so thank you for coming and helping me talk about all of these My things pleasure. Um, and for people who want to apply to the Chobani incubator I believe there's another round of applications opening up.
2: At yes, they'll they'll open up later this year in the winter for our Spring 2019 so program. So should people
1: and if just you happen go-
2: if you happen to have a a food tech uh yeah. company and you're listening in uh, applications for that program are actually open until July 31st. Oh, very cool. But definitely just, you know, go check out our website shibaniincubator.com. Um we have a great newsletter which
1: It's very helpful. I personally hope curate.
2: You. <laughs> um that goes out, you know, pretty much bi-weekly or so that right. Just has great information about um, what we're doing in the program. Right. Um, so our partners some, like, are up do's to do's and
1: don'ts or like takeaways from things. Yeah, like, absolutely. I feel like it's we do some helpful. programming
2: recaps. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to kind of bring the learnings of the incubator to everybody who's a part of our community, right? Um, because you know we want to help people. Yeah. And I would also say just a quick um, little bit. If you go to our about page, mm-hmm. um, there's a link to a resource hub. You know, we've created this like 20 page google doc of resources and partners that that we know you can work with across every facet of your business that's amazing um, which is really helpful for the companies who are maybe you know a stage too early for our program but we just want to help people absolutely
1: that's so cool (laughs) well on that note um thank you mitch thank you and um i'll be back next week with more in the sauce